We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I'm serious this time. I'm not even kidding. Before I may have been lying, now I'm serious. Season 3 is on Amazon Prime. <laughs> not that we were lying before. We were just hedging because we I didn't was, know. We I thought it would have been. All of our I seasons. thought it would have been. And, and, and yeah. it, didn't, uh, it didn't upload and process like the like we expected. But it right. is actually, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm serious. You can go to Amazon right now. And you can find seasons one, two, and three of our show. Now, that is only U.S. Shocking. and U.K., but they're yes. all on there. If you're international you want to see it, you can still find it on Vimeo. But I'm just excited to say it, it's, it's a thing now. <laughs> I agree. And by the way, we do have a Patreon page if you want to become a patron yes. at various levels. Some of you had mentioned you didn't even know that we had one before. So mm. I say that as a PSA, really more than anything, <laughs> to say, yeah. hey, if you want to support the show, we would welcome that entirely. And it does go to production. Todd and I were just sitting here discussing the calendar, kind of freaking out. Mm, yeah. I think you might be a little bit more freaked than I, I but yeah. I'm I'm still working on getting all the episodes finalized for season four in 2019. Yeah, we're, we're in the I midst of shooting season four. Yeah. We're two months away from 2019. Yeah. We're I'm, in the midst of shooting I, season yeah. four, and there's a feature it's film happening. to edit in the midst of that, too, with, by right. the way, 12 Corvettes. Right. There's a ton of content from us between now and, well, I actually, I sh- shouldn't say it between <laughs> now and the end of the year, because you guys won't see it between now and the end of the year, but right. we'll be creating all of it between now and the end of the year, so that come January 1, it is season four on Velocity, which we're very excited about. And we're still lining yeah, up cars for yeah. it, but it's gonna, there's going to be some fun stuff in Season 4, for sure. The week between Christmas and New Year's mm-hmm. is when the ski resorts have a blackout date. So they essentially, yes. even locals, don't yes. get the deals because they know everybody's coming in to ski with their families, mm-hmm. and so they charge the maximum dollar amounts. <laughs> yes, I think do. you and I are gonna, just going to be home sleeping that Pro- entire probably. week. Probably. Like, no ski, just yeah. sleep. Probably Recover. True. Nurse our wounds. Fair point. Yeah. Fair maybe point. Maybe we'll throw down a podcast or two. But. We'll definitely keep podcasting. That's going to happen for sure. <laughs> we have many things to talk about on this podcast. It is a topic Tuesday. We're talking about car performance in the real world, a really cool question. And that, that actually leads us to electric cars. I want to come back to electric cars in a minute. Oh, boy. We also have a car debate from Ivan, who's writing in with a car for his mother-in-law. It's sort of the the healing olive branch of a car choice yes but this could also go terribly terribly wrong. we have to be careful because this is really the way of relating better to his future mother-in-law that's the whole point of the car yes. debate is what if we got her a car and that would help me get to know her and relate better and have a better yeah. relationship i don't know about that we'll see so there's that happening i, I we want to we want to talk no that's not fair we have to talk elon musk However, we do. We have something first before. However, that, we should talk about uh, the speeding we did this weekend. Speeding with the cops, you mean? Yes, I do. That kind of speeding. That actually sounds like one of the Police albums or some album from a, from a band in the eighties. It's actually not the Police. It, it's a, it's an album from like Devo in the eighties. Speeding nice. with the cops. Nice. It, we we happen to have a friend of the show. Hi, Chad. How are you? He is a Summit County, which is the county we're in. Summit County Sheriff. Yes. He's yes. followed the show for a long time. We have a few people that listen to the, the podcast that are in the Summit County Sheriff, which is very cool. So Chad had never been in a Porsche. I was happy to be part of the affliction, I guess, yes. encouraging the disease. Not only – well, he sat in a 911. He, uh, he described a story to me where he has sat in a 911, but that is about as close as he's come. Mm-hmm. And Porsche for him is kind of like me. I'm, I'm so yeah. far yeah. deep in the weeds, mm-hmm. as is he, and he describes it as – I've never actually driven a Porsche before. And I thought, well, 
why don't you go with Todd and I? We're going Problem driving for solved. fun yeah. for no other reason. The weather yeah, was beautiful. It was amazing. Saturday morning. Let's go. And so we're standing there. We meet at a, uh, a parking lot before we head up one of yeah, our favorite yeah. roads. And we decide, do we broach the subject about speeding? Because speeding's about to occur. <laughs> How do we address this? And he brought it up, actually. Of course he did. Yeah. He told us that he gets his daily triple before his first hour of work in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when he's on the job, and he has to be. It's part yeah. of the job. Yeah, yeah. Is very he very fast. Has, he has joked that the, what we discuss as the daily triple is often for him the hourly triple. Exactly. Because of just, he, he made the comment that Summit County's kind of large, and so he'll get a call at one end of Summit County, he has to go to the other end of Summit County, which at normal speeds is a 25, 30-minute drive. He needs to get there faster than that. Right. So he'll spend a lot of time on I-80 going, you know, triples. And he made the point that I thought was really interesting. He talked about how, the, and this relates right back to the, where we're headed here for Topic Tuesday. Right, right. Because he talked about how, and we've experienced this on the Autobahn. This, this, this What I'm about to say is going to sound insane, but I promise you it does happen. When he's doing triple digits... In his police explorer with the with the lights on and blasting mm-hmm. along, headed mm-hmm. somewhere. Okay, yep. five or so minutes in, that speed's become boring. It's become no big deal because he's yeah. blasting down a highway, and it just exists. And that, we've had that experience on the autobahn where. You know, three hours in, 120 miles an hour is no thing anymore. The difference is people don't just magically pull to the side of the road True. for us coming by. True. It is the Autobahn where people respect everything else yes. and they do pull over. But there is the occasional lorry that, yes. you know, tests your carbon ceramic brakes. Certainly. That's why Certainly. they exist, people. But, but what was interesting is then he thought about the other other factor, which is essentially we did a canyon run, one of our favorite roads. Right. You right. were leading. I was following in the Lotus. Had my son along with us. It was a great drive. But he talked about how he conversely, really doesn't ever speed at high speeds around corners. Mm -hmm. So our day was very much about corners, and it was really interesting. It was like a new car experience for him as a sheriff. It was was a very cool day. Yeah, it was was very cool. It was awesome. I... Chad, I was happy to be part of the uh, the affliction, so I let him drive my car. Yes, yeah, it was it was great, and uh, you know we talked about the merits of when he does drive a rear engine 911. He's now got the Cayman experience under his belt to mm. compare it to, mm. which is nice. And you know, talk about budgets and when is it happening, Chad? And I'm sure your wife is listening to this now, but yes. you discussed every way to get into a car that does what we did. Mm-hmm. We came up with the FRS on proper tires. Yes, yes, we did. Which we've experienced. We've talked about it ad nauseum, mm-hmm. but we came back to that as a really inex- inexpensive way. I'll say it was a way to kind of try out the that. idea because he mm-hmm. needs he needs more than two seats. He's got a couple of kids and he's more than two seats. So yeah. so we, we we landed on the FRS as just a maybe it's cheap enough. To now that he and his wife, if you will, can kind of try it and see if it works in their life to have a sports car before it's like, honey, I'm buying a Porsche before mm-hmm. we get to that step. Who right. knows? But Chad, glad you could join us. I had a ridiculous experience with my son, which happens often, but this was the the odd one. I don't even think I told you this from, from that day. We went through, I don't know how to describe it. It was like fields and fields of sheep. We've seen sheep on this road well, before, but there were just here's there were why. hundreds. This road goes through what's called open range mm-hmm. for sheep. Yeah. There's another road that does that with cows. Mm-hmm. This one happens to be where this huge, huge population of sheep exists. And they just, they're dumb. Let's put it that way. We've they are seen, dumb. We've seen them in the road before, but this was, we came around one corner and it was like the next three hills were blanketed with sheep. Yeah. And they were all over the road. They're everywhere. So we had that experience with sheep. And then we're driving. This My son is almost nine. Keep that in mind in the story. We're driving along, top down. It was great. Or top off the Lotus. It was great. We see hundreds of sheep. And we see a watch out for cattle sign. 
Yeah. Never saw a cow. Saw a watch out for deer sign. Never saw a deer. We get almost done with the drive. My son looks over and goes, you know, we saw that sign, watch out for cattle, didn't see any cows. And I said, yeah. He said, we saw that sign, watch out for deer, didn't see any deer. Yeah. We saw all those sheep, but no sheep sign. I find that ironic. You're kidding me. He said this? Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, you know what, What did you do with that? Superb use of the word ironic. That is exactly right. He just pulled that out of nowhere. Just there it was. Anyway, I had to laugh. I was like, That's how old are you hilarious. again? We're talking about irony as we go at, at a <laughs> high speed. There was also the agreement that he and I had where um, he was like, I don't want to go too fast. We're out for a relaxing And then drive. later I went faster than that. So anyway, that happened well, too, but it was all good. Hey, I got a little sheep dip stuck up in my tires there. But by the way, <laughs> the Michelin PS4s that I got, let me put it this way. I wish PS4s on everybody. I hope you have a chance to experience <laughs> and own PS4s. They were darn expensive i'll be honest they were fifteen hundred dollars for all four tires on the cayman now we're talking you know rubber bands 35 series tires on a 20 inch wheel wow fifteen hundred bucks which is not a lot but do you think i could put any lesser tire on that car i couldn't allow myself to do that and they perform beautifully the difference is they absorb bumps and undulations in the road differently than those good years oh interesting okay and it actually absorbs better and the car still is planted better it doesn't upset the car quite as much but there's even more grip and i'm strangely not feeling a 35 series tire sidewall squirm astounded by these we definitely felt it on the goodyear so it's interesting that you're that you're feeling that experience i'm amazed they're pleasantly pleased with the uh the firehawk indy 500s i have on my car because they actually fit which is novel well they fit and they're a good tire and i'm quite impressed with those much better than the dunlops maybe that was a low bar but i am impressed PS4s, way to go. I wish PS4s for everybody. So uh, the next hour of the podcast is about uh, Tesla. No, wait, uh, it shouldn't be an hour, (laughs) but we should talk about the Tesla news. Well, yes, you've seen that the SEC initiated a lawsuit and Mm -hmm. Elon settled for $40 Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's paying 20 and the company's paying 20 and he has to step down and resign as the chairman of Tesla. People have been yeah. waiting for this moment. You realize? I, I have, I'm so conflicted about all of this. We have to take a... You've heard us rant about Teslas. Yeah. And I, I have to take a balanced view because, yeah, on one hand, people have been wanting this. They've been needing business leadership rather than visionary leadership. The visionary leadership, he's got covered in spades. Yeah. But the business leadership, when it does come to math and numbers and actually building cars, <laughs> that's been missing. Okay. And so I have to balance it. We've talked about this before, about how much he has reinvigorated and pointed the car industry in a new direction. Because sure, there isn't sure. an executive that isn't aware or has been kicked in the teeth mm-hmm. by the thought that even though they own 5% of the car market worldwide, wow, Tesla exists. Mm-hmm. And that is something we as, name a car company, we don't have that. Sure, sure, sure. And that's where customers are going. That's what customers want. It's been talked about at least, so you'd think they have far more than their market share. Mm-hmm. They don't. They are. But it's kickstarted this car industry yeah. in new ways. The Porsche Taycan, every electric coming from every manufacturer, sure. Audi, name them. Yeah, they wouldn't be at this they stage wouldn't be without thinking that. Tesla. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So in that sense, wow, kudos. Mm-hmm. The guy's amazing. Mm-hmm. But the way he's now gone about it is he hasn't really thought it through because he doesn't know from a business leadership how to operate the company yeah i mean well there's just there's a lot of um there's a lot of ego things going on there's a lot of personality things going on i mean here's the thing about this though that i I have to say it this is a slap on the wrist 
Think because so? I do, and here's here's why. You want here's it to thing. be more? Here, here's the thing. Look, not, and I don't say this with an axe to grind about Elon Musk. I don't. I say this because of this. If what he did, and I am saying if, I, I, I don't have the, the background or the knowledge to say yes or no. Okay? okay? Many of you listening may know this for sure. If what he did is criminal, then he should be unable to be in this company at all. I mean, SEC rules, to my understanding, state that he can become eligible to be voted back in as chairman within three years. Well, but here's but here's here's why it's a slap on the wrist, though. If if it's criminal, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're you know the guy we all look up to. If you've done something criminal, there should be consequences, and the consequences should be the same as everybody else. I know that sounds pie in the sky for me to say, but that's what I'm putting well, out. Well, I, I completely agree. Uh, He's no longer chairman of the board, but he still CEO of the company. It's not like they kicked him to the curb. And the board has been discussed many, many times as just kind of being a gathering of mostly yes men for whatever Elon wanted to do anyway. Sure. I don't see that reality really changing here. And you have a company, what, let me rephrase, you have a guy who's worth, with a B, billions, asked mm-hmm. to pay a $20 million fine, which is you and I getting a speeding ticket. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Tesla needs 20 million not go out the door much less so than than Elon. Elon can go 20 million. Tesla the company is burning cash. The last thing they need is another 20 million on the cash fire. They are continuing to burn cash. I don't think this really changes the day-to-day of Tesla at all. Yeah, I kind of feel that that's, coming to That's where I feel like this is a slap on the wrist because if this was if his actions have been criminal or negligent, then he should not be in charge in any capacity. Well, I think the problem comes from whoever steps up now to be chairman and the public face now of Tesla. Tesla is Elon's baby. Of all the companies and things that he's he'll thought of and the invented, face. he'll either be feeding whoever that person is and, and kind of pulling the strings behind yeah. the scenes and saying, here's, here's what I want to happen, the new models, whatever, and then that person will be... He will remain the face. That. As CEO, he'll remain the face. He's just not the guy in the big chair at the end of the chair of, of the board meeting. That's all that's happened. But that's behind the scenes. Can can anybody name other than his brother Kimball? Can anybody name anybody on the board at Tesla? No, no. So whoever comes yeah. into this role, it, I'm sorry, but I don't see a single thing changing with the way this company operates. And so that's where I'm sitting here going, really? Here's my conflict: is I want that change. I want him to be completely detached from the business leadership and structure and where the company is going. But on the other hand, I know people who work there, a lot of people actually. Yeah, yeah. I consider them friends. Mm-hmm. And as you and I have talked about, it's hard to hate up close. Oh, completely. It's, it's hard to, it's easy to throw stones and say, ah, the company and everybody who works for them is a, you know, you, you don't know what you're doing kind of thing. There's a lot of great people that sure, work for of Tesla. Course, of course. And they're passionate and they're invested in his leadership just as much. And I think, well, if there was somebody else running the company, would those people take on that vision of that new leader? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I... would. Are there people within the company that would be like, yay, Elon's gone? Or would they be like, no, I mean, look at what he's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's... I've done a tiny bit of research. There's okay. Tesla charts on Twitter, which is admittedly <laughs> a short seller. They yeah. are for the bears for Tesla. Okay. And yeah. they have done a little bit of drone flyover, the fat Fremont factory recently. Okay. And you can find this. They're finding cars rusting outside. They're finding heaps of trash, discarded bumpers, and what looks like a station where they're painting cars outside, 
pretty much defying all of the California Air Quality Resources Board <laughs> stipulation that cars can't be painted outside. Well, there is that. And I'm looking at this footage and going, guys, all right, so now we need to have the the new conversation about, hey, you bought a Tesla and you've joined the green movement. Do you know how they're manufactured? <laughs> well, Do you know what's going on behind well, yeah, the scenes? Yeah, now we're off into the weeds of many, many other discussions. Was it delivered on yeah. a diesel truck? Yeah. On and on and on. Yeah, yeah. But then again, I know people working for the company that are passionate about these cars, and look what it's look what they have done. Not just Elon. Yeah. Look what they have done to the car industry. You know what I actually thought of today? I was in my Lotus following a Model X, and this struck me. Okay. Tesla should be and should be allowed to be a niche automaker like Lotus. They are not a volume seller. Neither is Lotus. Okay. They are not. Okay. A, they are not an automaker that should be valued above the Fords and the GMs and the folks that sell millions upon millions of cars. They should be allowed to be, and they should be run like a niche automaker. Because back to Lotus, Lotus has never been known for volume. They've never necessarily even been known for our cars are unbelievable quality. But because of Lotus engineering and because of Lotus history, they are an automaker who has affected the chassis and dynamics of many other cars of many other companies. Tesla is affecting the product line of many other cars at many other companies. Why can't they just be a niche automaker? They always exist. They make an influence, but they don't need to be this best valued, this is the future. They, they can't support that. They've clearly proven they, they they've can't. proven they can't support it. So I don't understand clearly why we continue can't. with that. Uh, it's, uh, look, I, we're, I see we're into point. four hours worth of discussion I here. I see your point. Wall Street has wanted them to become a volume manufacturer, and that's where they're desperately, well... Painting cars outside. That's where the struggle is. Trash. Why not be a niche automaker? But they've brought technology trying to claim we're bringing electric technology to the masses. We're democratizing mm-hmm. electric cars for everybody. Unfortunately, they haven't because of the price points. Well, because Even the, the Model volume. 3 is because of the volume too, not yeah. ever close to $35,000. And True. I don't, still don't know where that number came from, by the way. Because it's a number that, that, that everybody really likes. I mean, that's the whole re- the, guess the, so. the Bolt and the Volt and all of these have been targeted so, at thirty five grand too. You know, Lotus with you know handling and sports car and that mm-hmm. kind of feeling appeals to a niche audience. But then over here, Teslas aren't known to be amazing driving handling cars. They're electric. They're yeah. the future tech. And so... I don't. I but can't. But my point relate is, those two. But but no, I'm not talking about it in in what they bring to the table. I'm talking about Lotus. You you watch them and let them affect the larger car industry in the things they're good at, which in Lotus's case is handling. Mm-hmm. Tesla is doing electric cars and they're doing them very very well. Mm-hmm. Why can't that? And it already has affect the rest of the car industry without Tesla having to be. The golden boy. Why can't it just yeah. be? We make this small number of cars a year, and people that buy them love them. What's wrong with that model? I mean, they started out with the Tesla Roadster, which relates to yes. the Lotus because which, it was. And it relates to our topic Tuesday, which we should probably wrench ourselves toward. Oh, man. Because four hours from now, we can be talking about Tesla, and there are people <laughs> out there that are that are cracking the face of their iPhone, beating it against something because stop they're so angry about, about something we said right. about Tesla. We'll get, we'll get letters. I know we will. It's fine. I'm sure. Or but, just stop talking about them, right? Yeah. But, uh, but this, I mean, let's be honest. We've talked about it before. This is the ongoing, it's the car news that everybody cares about. So we got to at least touch on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the question that came in from from Brian, okay, is why is everybody still obsessed with car performance and comparing? That's what the bigger thing. Comparing car performance when electric cars, Tesla leading the charge, electric cars have shown up now and just gone. Let's rewrite the performance metric. Leading the charge, really? Yeah. Sorry, that was actually unintentional. Okay, fine. Let's I'll rewrite let the performance metric. And he's saying, why are we worried about Hellcats and 
ZR1s and these kind of things if an electric car that everybody can buy can do zero to 60 as fast or faster than those? Why does this even matter anymore? This is an excellent question. And from a horsepower war standpoint, the best answer I've got is smiles. Smiles. You have a lot of horsepower and you have a lot of fun and you love hitting the gas. Well, same thing in an electric car, which is Brian's point here. And I think, well, not everybody has the ability to consume an electric car into their lives. And I mean living with it in your garage. And do you have the proper charger, the 240-kilowatt charger installed in your house? And are you able to really change your lifestyle to live with this and actually accept the range anxiety, even though it it's kind of been solved almost? Mm Mm-hmm. I still felt it when you and I were driving the Bolt in the Model 3. I still yeah. was counting each mile left. Ooh, okay, where am <laughs> I going to be doing? in 30 miles? Is that going to be okay? That's yeah. funny. Am I going to be... Because with a gas station, we don't even think about it. Yeah, 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 fair point. Because of the infrastructure. And, and so that's still being solved. It's still there. But we come back to performance. And Brian, you mentioned, why do performance magazines ignore the fact that the next Tesla supercar, this discussion's over because of numbers. Well, we've also talked about numbers that relate to magazine testing only, not the real world thing. But you mentioned a Model 3 is faster than a Hellcat. It's quicker than a Hellcat or quicker than a Corvette, but faster? No, those cars will leave it on the Autobahn. You're you're talking about top speed now. Yeah, I take that point. But it comes down to what the car can do as far as usefulness in your life, style, smiles. Yeah. And do you like driving it? Do you... It's like wine. If the wine tastes good, it's good wine, right? If you hmm. like it, then buy it. Great. It doesn't have to be the most expensive wine ever. But hmm. do you like driving the car? Do you feel like it handles well? Do you does it do the things you want to go do a car, you know, drive a car with? I don't see many Tesla owners taking them to the track. I don't see many Tesla owners just going for a drive in a canyon like you and I do, like Fair. we did with Chad, Fair. just because. Possibly. They don't put I mean, electric cars in that category. True. Here's the thing I think is interesting about your question, Brian, is you make a comment where you say, why are we worried about performance metrics and comparisons when, these are your words, the question has long been answered, the electric performance beats all. I'm going to stop right there. Okay. Because you are equating, and many people do, performance with how fast does it do zero to 60. I think so too. And Tesla is marketing themselves and their cars, rightly so, by the way, marketing themselves as our cars are crazy fast. That's not a Tesla thing. You've already touched on it, Brian. It's an electric thing. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a side note. It's a byproduct of electric propulsion, and Tesla is going, our cars do this. By the way, all electric cars can. So there is that. But I submit to you that performance metrics is not just a discussion of how fast can we go in a straight line. Completely agree. Performance cars, as I look at it, and again, I'm the, I'm the weird guy that drives the Lotus Elise, I know. But performance cars are about interaction, and they are about handling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to buy cars like the Hellcat and the things that have got crazy power because I have the same thought you do, Brian, which is it's not usable anyway, so why are we fighting about it? I agree with that fully. I'm interested in cars that have engagement, and at the moment, that's not where electric cars are good. And I will use this this description. If you've ridden in an Airbus, by the way, that's the right name for that, an Airbus or flown a small prop airplane, Mm -hmm. there is not a person on the planet that will argue 
that the prop airplane is faster or a better performer. But an Airbus feels like the name. A bus in the air that is going nearly 600 miles an hour, by the way, because no prop plane can touch it. True, true. But yet, if you fly something small with a propeller engine, it is engaging all day long. These are different worlds. They're not, you're not obviously commuting in your Cessna. You're not flying across country in your Cessna. I get it. But, but I'm saying there's the extreme example. I'll give you another example. The Tesla Roadster, the original one, mm-hmm. is a stretched Lotus Elise with a thousand, by the way, it's 50% more, thousand pounds more weight. Okay. Faster than the Lotus Elise. Back to your, your question, Brian. Faster than the Lotus Elise. Zero to 60 beats the Lotus Elise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is not a single person on the planet that has ever said it handles better. There's not a single person on the planet that has tracked their, their Tesla and, been, and Roadster and been like, I'm glad I had this over an Elise. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a direct, right. almost direct one-to-one comparison. I like your airplane al- analogy because I'm finding pilots who go up just to learn fundamentals and practice fundamentals mm-hmm. and fly the airplane and feel what it's doing. Sure. Same thing with cars. Whereas air- airline pilots have been accused of being button pushers. Mm-hmm. You're steering the airplane with the compass. Really, it's kind of what you're doing. You let you land in a crosswind, but yeah. Well, true. And then yeah. you're dancing on the pedals, but you know you're setting it on autopilot, and you want to. You're just turning the compass, just clicks, yeah. and the airplane does what you tell it. And you know, back to, I don't know what else they do in the cockpit. <laughs> We're now getting angry letters from pilots. <laughs> I by the know. Way. Anyway, and they know that they've been accused of button pushers. Is that true? Yeah. But with a supercar, hypercar, it comes back to the talk, I suppose, about extracting more from a really high horsepower car mm-hmm. or do I extract all that feeling from a low power FRS on good tires and I'm really touching the limits of what this piece of metal is doing. Yeah. I mean, if it comes back to my discussion with Chad because mm-hmm. first time in a Porsche for him. Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. well, Chad, I mean, as cars go, this is from a horsepower standpoint, this is kind of low to middle of the road about your, what you your can Cayman buy Your is not, days. oh my gosh, look at the stats. 340 horsepower. Yeah. We just got done driving a Corvette Z06 with 650. It'll destroy my Cayman sure, in every sure, sure. category. Yeah. I like the Cayman a lot better because of how I feel when I'm driving it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's Porsches with way more horsepower, and I just think I I still like mine. I still yeah. like this one a lot better. Yeah, I mean, Brian, I think you're also asking this question in relation to commuting. And you're right. All of these numbers, all of them, electrics and otherwise, it's irrelevant for commuting. Mm-hmm. I've commuted in a Hellcat. It was ridiculous. I mean, truly ridiculous because I I never used more than 10% of the throttle ever commuting in that car. We had it one for a week. It was the Challenger, and I honestly think the Challenger, not the, sorry, it was the Charger. I actually think the Charger Charger is the best, better use of that engine than it is in the Challenger. Just this big choose through the miles sedan. And I commuted down I-80 in it. And literally never used more than 10% of the throttle because there was never a need to. The only thing that car was doing is generating heat. That's the only thing it was doing for you on the commute. Seriously. And and, and that's the other thing about, you know, that that applies to the Model 3 or the X. or We know multiple Tesla owners who have stopped doing full throttle blasts because it makes them and their passengers sick. Yeah, it gets old. So, So the thing is... Yes, in sheer performance, sheer, I can go quickly to pass this truck. You're right, electric wins. It just wins. And in commuting, though, the reality is we're, at, we're in a horsepower electric or supercharged or whatever. We're in a horsepower place that is unusable in any kind of normal situation. 
but I submit to you that performance cars are worthwhile for more than how fast did I go from a stop. Had a comment just made to me by a Model X owner, and he okay. said, yeah, liking the X, we're liking our new X, it's fine. It's not a BMW or Mercedes on the inside, though. You paid a lot true. of money. True, yeah, yeah. And it, it just yeah. isn't. And that really struck me because Teslas are so aspirational because of what you're talking about, because of that performance. And then mm -hmm. you think, all right, well, there's there's more to it than numbers. Because if this is truly the case, why isn't the Bugatti Chiron the best car ever, ever, ever? Yeah. And there's many people that look at it as the holy grail because of the, numbers. Yeah. the best car ever mm -hmm. because of the, as you said, the numbers, the horsepower, the output, yeah. the, the numbers of how much it costs to service the car, the numbers of... You know, yeah. how many quarts of oil it consumes, yeah. how long tires last at 280 million miles an hour. Who cares? Yeah. Why are people that commute in terrible stop-and-go traffic buying old classic cars to drive on the weekend? Hmm. It's not because of the performance. No. It's something about that interaction. And hopefully that's the reason you're listening to this podcast, because you like that interaction. Uh, otherwise, we all end up driving the motor equivalent of the Airbus. So, Brian, my question back to you is then why are all these journalists – lusting after Porsche 356s and everybody wants a 356 yeah, and everybody have, drools over the 356 I'm going it's like 90 horsepower or less I, and I have I have mixed answers to that but I take your point you know there's there's just something so simple and cathartic and back to the experience of driving it and feeling you can yeah. roll it yourself you can you can actually sit in the driver's seat and just kind of you know move yourself up and down and kind of Roll the car forward just from your body motion, and then pop the clutch in first, and you're away. I could do that in my car, but yeah, I take your point. But uh, but I'll, look, I'll ask the larger question that is almost rhetorical. But I'll ask the larger question: Is our lar larger numbers better? And I'll go to a completely uncar related thing. The movie that you just saw this summer that broke box office records was it better than the indie drama you saw? Hmm. And I'm asking a rhetorical question. Was That's it great, better? Actually. The the YouTube video with 50 million views, was it better than the one you saw with 1,000 that you really liked? Was it a better video? I'm not asking a question about scale. I'm asking a question about what makes something better. And when I hear the word performance, I think light, agile, and involving. Mm -hmm. But if you're equating it from speed, yeah, electric wins. Brian, thanks for the question. If you've got a topic Tuesday question that you'd like us to get angry letters about, please write <laughs> yes. to us. <laughs> yes, we will poke the bear. <laughs> EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com, or you can find us at the contact button under the About tab on EverydayDriver.com. We're going to get to a debate, but we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back. I'm here to talk about Amsoil. Why Amsoil? Because they're a bunch of car people. They're gearheads. They're into all kinds of power sports. They just get cars and vehicles. The Amsoil folks have created a guide to increasing horsepower in your vehicle. It's got insider tips from some of the best in the business on coaxing a lot more power out of your engine. Get a free copy of this horsepower guide at amsoil.com driver. When you're there, you can find out more about Amsoil synthetic motor oil too. You know, like how Amsoil Signature Series synthetic motor oil delivers 75% more engine protection against horsepower loss and wear than required by a leading industry standard. Go to amsoil.com slash driver now to get your free insider's guide to increasing horsepower. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does that actually mean? You know, the same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. 
Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees, accessories, everything, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Well, because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers already know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features aren't available in all states. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. You can find a lot of weird and surprising things in cars. I mean, some people have, I don't know, petrified french fries or melted crayons. But one thing that shouldn't surprise you are continental belts. I'll bet you didn't know they're original equipment in tens of millions of FCA, Ford, and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. They're also original equipment on the majority of BMWs and Volkswagens. Now Continental is launching an aftermarket line of the Multi V-Belt. It's their original equipment technology series. And Continental has an OE technology series Multi V-Belt for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Hey, you get enough surprises working on cars and trucks already. A belt shouldn't be one of them. So go with the Continental OE technology series Multi V-Belt. It's the belt with original equipment pedigree. You can get the full story by visiting oetechnologyseries.com. Ivan writes to us from the Washington, D.C. area with a unique car debate. And Ivan, I hope that you haven't decided on a car yet, but I, I kind of think you haven't because it's going to take some time here. Maybe you have. Yeah. And if so, our choices will have to be stacked up against what you bought. This is a really interesting story here. This is a room full of rakes and landmines. <laughs> Seriously. It's, it's relational Seriously. and relationship advice. It's bonding over cars. It can be done. I think I have some choices. He's been with his partner, Raquel, for about five years. And inside that time, she's got to know his immediate family very well and gets along great. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, he's had a tough time relating and connecting with her mom because she's been going through a rough patch in her life. She hasn't been very sociable. And as he, he says, you know, when you don't have your life in order, you don't want to socialize. And that's been the case with her as long as Ivan has known her. Now, the good news is that his family is coming into some new money soon, he says, and they'll be able to put some money towards fixing the mother's house and buy her a new car. Mm -hmm. That's why I think maybe the money hasn't happened yet. Maybe it's still pending. Yeah. We might still yeah, have yeah. a window of time here. And he's, he's thinking very generously. Let's do stuff Incredibly. for your mom. Let's get her a new car. His future mother-in-law. Yeah. She currently drives a 1997, 97 Nissan Maxima. That's still the four-door sports car. Like that. that was actually kind of a good era. <laughs> what is for it that now? Car. It's just the four-door car. It, it, but that was actually a good era. That was the, the era when yeah. they kind of made a name for themselves. But she, no she's kidding. had that, that car forever. And they're talking about spending twenty to twenty-five grand to get her something newer. And he's hoping that we can help him find a car that she will like enough that she's pleased that he helped and it helps their relationship. Wow, Ivan, this this could go really well or really make things worse. It's not honestly. a bribe. It's not a bribe, right? 
All right. So she has always dreamed of buying a Volkswagen buggy. <laughs> Ivan, do you mean a Myers Manx or just a beach buggy? Or just beach? a beach converted? It's it, it's unclear, but either way. Okay. Well, ever since she's immigrated to America, she's fond of its looks and its place in American history. Okay. Find that very interesting. Keep in yeah. mind that those are all <clears throat> manual cars. Yes, they are. She's a school nurse, and she values comfort over performance. Which is not what a Volkswagen buggy gives you. Just, just so we know. Of a it's just Max, not where right? we go. Yeah. <laughs> now, she lives alone in New York City and is only supporting herself and her pets as a school nurse. And she doesn't need a whole lot of space for hauling things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also said she's 100% technology illiterate. Not yeah. 99, not 89. Yeah. 100%. She does not care for any of it. And has no particular allegiance to any car. So yeah. anything new, anything fun, yeah. anything in that category, it's not a bribe. It's not a bribe. But let's but let's get her into something that she enjoys. But but here's the thing I am going to say, Ivan, that the technology thing makes me think this. Anything she gets into is going to feel like a spaceship. True. I mean, True. we're, we're you know, <clears throat> almost 30 years newer in cars <laughs> gonna say, at this point. Pretty far down along that road. So, so here's the thing. I mean, the 97 cars, there were, I mean, nav was rare. Okay. So yeah. now we're in, you know, how many touchscreens does this have? Okay. Does your mother-in-law have a smartphone? Hopefully she does. So she's at least that savvy. But anything you get into is going to feel like a technology overwhelm. So the thing I feel like is there's going to have to just be some careful stepping here of just don't worry about that right now. Let's see if you like the car. Then we'll learn the specific stuff about this car because anything you get into that's newer is going to feel overwhelming. True. Now, you didn't mention new or used. You just gave us the True, twenty to $25,000 yeah, yeah. budget here. And he's considered Camrys, Corolla hatchbacks, the Kia Soul, the Mini Cooper, Fiat 500, Mazda CX-3, even the Veloster in a muted color because he said she doesn't live in a neighborhood that is really well suited to having a flashy car. And we don't need a look at me car here. Don't need Definitely a theft not. target. Don't need yeah, something too yeah, flashy. Yeah. But I come back to you, Ivan, and ask if... This new car experience going along with the right color would really add a lot. Mm. If it's just a new car in gray, okay, maybe. I see where you're but going. But is it a new car yeah. in a deep plum or a red or a mm. you know something like that? Yeah. So he's asking, what car and or dealership experience would we recommend to buy her a new car? I okay. love where your heart's at, Ivan. I do too. I think this, this is, is amazing. Great. I think this is really cool. But many thoughts. Fun, special, not too flashy. Many, many thoughts. Yeah, what are you thinking? Well, first off, I'm going to say this, and, and only because it's the only venue I can think of where you need to do this. But because she hasn't shopped for a car in this long, because this is a new experience, see if you can spend an hour or two at a CarMax. So it isn't the hmm. hey, mother-in-law and and girlfriend. Let let me let me just let me let's go down car row. That's exhausting. That's overwhelming to think about. Sure is. If yeah. you go to a CarMax and drive three or four things that are totally different brands on the same lot in the same couple hour period, that's the toe in the pool. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because, or or if it's not a CarMax, just find a used car lot that is incredibly varied in your area. Go to there, hmm. and you're not okay. necessarily looking to buy. You're looking to drive. Just to go, okay, mother-in-law, here's one of these, and here's one of these, and here's one of these. And they're totally different brands, and they're totally different kinds of cars, but let's just get a sense of this is the new world we're stepping into. Sort of what strikes you initially, and then, sure, and, you like that? Let's go drive it. And then, and yeah, go, but I'm saying, but actually take the time to drive two or three things that are very different. Sure. Just sure. to kind of set a playing field, because... Going and, and driving every hatchback on car row in your city will exhaust everyone. 
Okay. Yeah. And then, and, and what you don't want is you don't want to be helping your mother-in-law in two cars in. She's just like, I just don't want to do this anymore because you got six more cars in your list. That's why I'm thinking find some sort of used car lot where you can hit a lot of different things just to kind of see how that goes. I, like I have this. other, th- I have other like specific thoughts, but I, I think you need to start there just to kind of set everybody's expectations and tolerance for lack of a better way to put it. <laughs> and then you sure. can go further. Sure. No, I like that. I like the, the wide variety approach to begin with. But once you do start narrowing things down, Ivan, I do have two things that I landed on and I liked your list. You could go to all the economy cars currently on sale. And I thought, here's my requirements in my mind with that budget. Okay. I'm thinking new, if you can. I'm thinking all right, all right. new or very new, you know, a year or two old, sure, something off sure, sure. because of maintenance. It yeah. doesn't sound like yeah, yeah. she's going to be interested or have the ability Agreed. or Agreed. proclivity to go wrench or do anything minor. <laughs> My mother-in-law is now wrenching. She's turning her new car into a VW buggy. It's Unless awesome. you got to see this. She, because, you know, I'm thinking a VW buggy, that's going to require constant tinkering with the carb to – yes. Screw around with the jetting and the constant. <laughs> Her neighbors are like, oh, she's leaving again. <laughs> exactly. Clatter, clatter, clatter. Hey, look at that cool stinger tailpipe. Love it. <laughs> really? Like, are we doing like the sparkly pink Stop. You know, fuchsia? Stop. Okay. Yeah. So I come first of all to Volkswagen. She's wanted a Volkswagen. Why don't we get her a Volkswagen? Okay. Yeah. Let's get her in the brand at least. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But not just any VW. Okay. And I thought the second part here, Ivan, is... Would a car's usefulness or a car's function dictate a new chapter in her life? Hmm. Would she discover hmm. a new thing that she likes to go do? She's in New York. Would a Volkswagen Golf Alltrack actually think, you know what? Oh. I'd love to get up to Vermont, take the pets, get out of town, go mm-hmm. discover hiking or walking or leaf peeping or something. I see where you're going. Yeah, I see because that. Because of the car. That. It's mm-hmm. like if you got a pickup truck. And I, you just try to think what to do. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I got to do something with this pickup truck. So I'm going to take up ATVing or something. Yeah. I don't know. Now I got to tow something. You got what it's going to be yet, but I got to tow something. You're going to own horses suddenly. I I don't know. Does does the car now dictate a new thing in her Mm. life that could go along with the car ownership? Does it inspire something? I see that. I see that. that Do that. Could a Volkswagen Golf Alltrack do that? I think they're interesting. I believe the sport wagon still comes with a manual. I don't know if you can get it on the sport wagon or the all track. I don't know. Maybe. Does but, she want a manual though? Well, I don't know. I don't I, think so, but, but probably it's interesting not, either way. But yeah, yeah. she realizes Volkswagen dune buggies are hard to keep running and they're manual and they're awful and they don't have a top and they, <laughs> anyway. Okay. I like it. I like so it. if you're thinking dune buggy, how about a Fiat 500 Abart? Sounds snorty. Well yeah. priced. Manual transmission, small, fun. Most people wouldn't look twice at this car because it's just an economy car. It's just a European yeah. whatever box. I'll be there. impressed if the mother-in-law rocks the Fiat 500 apart, though. That'd but be cool. would she discover driving with that car? Instead of an outdoor Maybe. sport, would she Would Maybe. she be inspired to take a road trip to Florida? Raquel, I, your mom is hooning down the expressway again. we got to go stop her. And I see no problem with that. <laughs> She's on the news again. Because... That car is different than the Honda Fits and HRVs and CX-3s and Mini yeah. Coopers and all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. It's got this personality to it. Sure. And would it wake something up in her and she'd just want to go drive because of it, despite living in New York City? I'm asking. Okay. Or am I completely wrong and you need to get her a Ford Raptor with a Hellcat engine? Done. 
Ford Raptor with a Hellcat. I, Am I wow, wrong? Wow, wow, wow. There's Just there's fun. Let there's that all kinds marinate. Of yeah, I like it. For a while. Uh, okay. All right. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start mundane and work my way to kind of offbeat. Okay. <laughs> okay. She, she has Nissan history. Yeah, true. Go get an Altima. That'll work. Nissan Altima has taken the place, if in many ways, of what the Max because the Maxima has gone up up market, okay, and the Maxima is not a car yeah. that is singled out anymore as this amazing driving car. It, it, it works, it's good, it's fine. They did kind of drop the four door sports car moniker after to a while, degree. didn't they? Uh, so here's the thing, though. But the Altima is it just it, everybody I know with an Altima, they just run, they, yeah. and, and they have everything you want. It's the it's the Nissan equivalent of the Camry. Yeah. I'm not picking yeah. it over the Camry for any reason other than the fact she currently owns a Nissan. So drive the Altima. Safe, known quantity yes. Nissan. Oh, I have a Nissan. Oh, let's look at this Nissan. That's, a, that's an easy okay. conversation. Okay. So Nissan Altima, I think that's in there. Uh, a little bit more oddball. You mentioned it. I think it, she should drive it. The Mazda CX-3. It's just an interesting-looking like little car. It's decent to drive. It's a little bit SUV. I think that works. I do like that one. Yeah. I'm going to give you one that you're going to think is a little crazy because of technology, but I think it's it's more under the radar of technology than, than you would expect. The current Chevy Volt, not the Bolt. The Bolt's the all-electric car. The Bolt's going to feel like a spaceship. The all-electric car with a bunch of touch yeah, screens. Yeah, we need to avoid too, the tech? It's, it's too much. It's right. too much. But the Volt has slotted itself into a place now in culture where it's electric, but it's not shouting about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she can plug in an electric car. Maybe she can't. Maybe that's out. Maybe I've instantly killed that. But I just keep thinking about sure. the fact that the Volt, it just runs like a normal car. But if she doesn't drive much, she might not use gas much. Unless she wants to be an Uber driver in her spare time. For sure. But, but fill up the gas tank because that actually cycles the gas every now and then if you don't use it enough. But if she doesn't drive yeah, much in New York City and the car sits a lot, then it becomes a car that is just electric for when she needs it for a runabout. She plugs it in when she needs to. Or, oops, I forgot to plug it in. But it's no problem. It just it went to the gas motor. It didn't tell you about it. It didn't ask any questions. I think it's subtle enough. And that's where I say if she likes the idea, then you can teach her just enough tech for her to run that car. Hmm, it's not sure. the weird spaceship, everything is new, that is the Bolt or the, or the full electric. It is car. You put it in gear, you totally, go. Done. Totally. Easy. So the Volt. And then another one that, that this struck me as we're talking because of the VW buggy. I was trying to think. Safe. Doesn't get noticed. VW buggies are safe? No, 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 no. On what no, planet are they trying safe? trying to think a safe choice. Oh, okay. Because I, I see the VW buggy okay. craziness, all right, all right. but now I'm looking at it thinking, <laughs> what's, a, what's a safe Myers, Max. What's a safe things? choice? Okay. They mean, it's just going to run. Okay. All right. It's not, right. Too, it's not obnoxious. It's not going to get noticed too Got much, it. but it still has that kind of rugged, oddball flair about it. Okay. I think your mother-in-law might really enjoy a Subaru Crosstrek. Really? It's just car. It runs. It's not overwhelming tech. Yeah. You know, it, it's got okay power. It's got nice space. It's got everything you need. Room for the pets. It's got the little bit of the rugged kind of oddball VW buggy. A little, I mean, a, a tiny mm. bit, but you see where I'm going. Mm, it's sure. The rugged, it's the rugged car in New York City, just like the Myers, Manx, or buggy would be. It's like, what's that doing That here? would attract attention, by the way. Yes, it would. Don't get the purple buggy. Don't do that. So, cross track. <laughs> and then the last one I have for you, when we talk about dealer experience, I think about my own mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Have your mother-in-law drive a Lexus IS, just the 250, nothing flashy. Hmm. They're excellent cars. The service is superb. The buying experience is excellent. They always give loaner cars if anything goes wrong. If you're talking dealer experience, that is the turnkey, easy, never thinking about it again, Lexus IS. I like that too. All right, Ivan, 
got some uh, bribing to do. It's not a bribe. Did I say that out loud? Driving. Driving. Right. Driving to do. Right. That's yes. it. All right. So let us know what happens. We're hoping, again, that we still are in this window of time. But if you have already bought something, let us know. Mm-hmm. We're curious. Mm-hmm. And stack these up against your the thing that you bought. All right. We've got to get to questions here because yeah. we have a ton. There's a lot of design-related questions that I want to start with. No kidding. And then hopefully these can spill over into our future All Questions podcast. People we've were got hitting to you this. like crazy with design questions. No I love kidding. It. All right, Chris C. writes to us on Facebook asking about my criticism of Lincoln and Maserati styling. How would I go about saving? (laughs) You heard that, did you? You noticed, did you? Was that too on point? Was that too too soon? Wait, when did that happen? Oh, that's right. Lots of times. Yeah. (laughs) Was that out loud? All right. uh, How would I go about saving or revising their image? And Pat piles on with the... I don't know about my criticism, but he says both brands don't go far enough. And he's talking about the Continental when it came out, the new Continental. And it didn't go to the suicide doors like Lincoln's had in the 60s. And Maserati relying on Ferrari styling, you know, without doing the iconic 60s Ferrari cliche kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He actually suggests, why not a Maserati version of the 80s or 90s Testarossa, which is kind of interesting. Look, I actually like Maseratis from the 60s. I think they're gorgeous and beautiful, and they are different using that pickle fork in a different way is what they're doing from the 60s. I look at Maseratis from the 60s and I'm I'm in love with them because mm-hmm. of the beautiful shapes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think that's what they've forgotten. So we'll start with Maserati. Okay. They have wanted a near luxury brand that they don't quite have in Alpha yet in perception. True. true they true. did bring it back to the US, but a, a a step between Alpha and Ferrari because yeah, admittedly it's the middle ground. there's a that. big gap. You noticed, yeah. Uh-huh. There's a jump between yeah, I have an $80,000 Quadrifoglio Alpha mm-hmm. and I'm getting a $400,000 Ferrari FF or whatever that yeah, yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, There's room for a brand in here. Clearly, They yes. must have consulted BMW somehow. Yeah. They just went parts hunting, Pat, as you have identified, mm-hmm. and they've just come up with cars that are they're unremarkable in what they do. They're just another luxury brand. They're, They're not standouts. Alternative I see that. For the sake of being alternative. Yeah, I see that. And so I'm going to come back to them in a minute. But same thing with Lincoln. Lincoln is just, well, hey, let's just gussy that thing up and sell it as a navigator. And people will pay more because yeah. it's more, more, whatever that stuff. That expedition could that. be restyled and we could rebadge it and look. There isn't, well, used to be, but still kind of this way. There isn't a Lincoln model that you can't find as a Ford. Mm-hmm. Taurus, the they're I mean, all upgraded Fords. I on see and on and on. on. That new Aviator, and then you can tell that all the Lincoln folks kind of went after Range Rover styling cues. Like, wow, sure. yeah, let's yeah. smooth those out. And well, you haven't actually differentiated the brand. Mm. And for both of these, I say, why didn't you look at these as either technology design leaders, like Volvo did with the Polestar brand, oh, and interesting. rethought everything, okay. separated them as brands? Because I'll guarantee you. Well, this still happened with Mercury. Those three brands, there were car designs being worked on in the same studio. Fords are next to Lincolns in the same studio being worked on. Mm -hmm. And there's no difference because it's the same chassis. Why don't we go in a completely different direction with Lincoln? Why does it have to be another... A carryover. uh, Yeah, I see where you're going. All that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, the same chassis, platform, whatever that is. You think from a good business sense, that is the case. But I submit to you for both of these brands, it isn't because they haven't proven themselves in sales numbers. Mm. So why didn't they go after Lincoln as a tech 
leader, a luxury tech leader mm. of okay. Ford okay. that you can't get on Fords. Yeah. Same thing with Maserati. And this is such an aspirational brand, but the flavors are different. And we're not building an SUV. We're not building a four-door sedan. We're building whatever this small, fun-to-drive mm-hmm. They're they're stripped away. They don't have okay. a lot of luxury kind of items and very little tech. But it's this aspirational sports car brand. Okay, the Ferraris are loaded with stuff on them, tech and all this kind of stuff. Sure, the Maseratis are stripped away. They do things Alpha and Ferrari can't. Well, I see where you're going. And they're they're in a you're finding a you're finding a unique direction. place for it. Sure. So maybe the material quality is still there, but there's lots of leather and carbon fiber and very little chrome and plush kind of stuff it's more mm. of a hardcore enthusiast brand maybe interesting I, i'm giving you examples i'm not you're, you're saying that's a definitive choice yeah, but yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. take these brands again like polestar is now the mm. technical innovation that is carbon fiber sitting on a steel frame steel chassis really yeah and they're going full-on tech with this and it's a different brand hyundai did it with genesis true it's true, a thing point. yeah yeah it is a thing and yeah. both these cars have just been hey guys we need a design on top of that platform mm-hmm. go okay maybe we can stretch it a little bit but they have to be built in the same factory and all the same requirements and we'll just price it a little bit more and then when you open the door on your maserati levante hey look it's a jeep grand cherokee yeah that's the bigger problem that bugs me no i know it does i've, I've heard i've heard this story uh jordan wrote in with a great uh, couple of questions but i wanted to um i wanted to ask uh, one of his two questions that was great i have a couple answers if you and i paul if we had to share a car and one car only <laughs> what would it be it couldn't be a lotus or a porsche right well i i'm looking at this question two ways I actually didn't look at it as you and I only have one car between us and we drive nothing else because I don't know. No, I look at it as the the shared fun car. What's the shared fun car? Mm. I actually have two I thought of. Really? An Evora or an R8. Those are cars where we align big time. Yeah, we do. I didn't think of the R8, but the Evora had crossed my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I could go for that. Yeah. But then, of course, we like both of those cars so much. Is there going to be a sign-up sheet? I mean, is it a Google Docs that we're... Is there a fight and we turn the mics off? I get that point. Yeah, for sure. Okay, more design questions from Kyle N. Is more styling effort put into a new generation styling versus the mid-cycle refresh Hmm. where things get changed to just keep it interesting? Well, certainly more into the new generation of styling. I think designers feel a lot more freedom because in a design studio for that mid-cycle refresh, you literally print out photos of the existing car dead on front elevation and you sketch new designs over that mm. and then you do it with the rear and you wow. do it with, wow. because you have to keep the same it's gotta be where the, the a pillar drops sure. to the cowl you have sure. to keep the same headlight and bumper and you can't change Connection the wheelbase and everything yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. it's really just all right new plastic tooling and some new sheet metal mm. Mm. it okay. gets old real quick i'll guarantee you <laughs> Interesting. Uh, let's see. We've got many others. Um, Derek Miller. Derek has a problem. Uh, he has baggage, having had a bad experience with a car brand. I happen to know this story. The car brand happens to be Porsche. I want to talk, talk about it specifically. Oh, yes. Yes. He he had such a bad experience with a Porsche that he bought. And I'm talking actually reliability kind of hell is what he went through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He He's having trouble even considering buying anything else from the brand. And he's asking, how do you get past this? Hmm. I'd like to hear this from you. I have two thoughts. If you hear it from me, it's going to be tainted, right? I, I, have, two, I have two thoughts, okay? First off, I'm going to stay with Porsche for a second, Derek. And then I'm going to make a little, like a little asterisk addendum that only I can do on this show, and you'll see why. But here's the first thing. 
Derek, I know the car you bought was a find until it was a problem. Until it, it wasn't. was a find, and it was very high performance in their lineup. Okay, and it was it was ultimately a money pit. You need a simple one. You need a base Boxster. You need a base Cayman that didn't mm. cost you very much. Mm. It didn't cost you very much at all. You spent, look, I'm going to go first gen Boxster. You spent twelve grand on a first gen Boxster that was well taken care of, and you put two or three grand into it, and it just it just runs. It just works. That's the way to cleanse the palate. You get something that is fairly modern but is depreciated enough that it isn't a big outgo. It's like you and I were talking about with Chad getting an FRS just to try out a sports car. It's that same idea. Try out a Porsche that mm. is not the top spec of anything. It's just a well-taken-care-of, somebody is selling it, this is going to run, and it, and it also doesn't have to be the car you rely on. It's like, I have to take the kids in the, oh, it doesn't work again. That's the worst. That's the absolute worst. Mm, you need sure. a car you can just drive for fun that isn't the expensive guy. That's the way to cleanse the palate. But then I'm going to go on a little... Like a mini rant. <laughs> okay. All right. There was a question last podcast or two podcasts ago about what are the, the cliched things that auto journalists do that we don't do or that annoy us. Oh, yeah, right. It relates here. Derek, I'm going to say this to you. Do you have to like Porsche? Now, in the world mm. of car journalists, Can I, I have that? just committed blasphemy. And mm-hmm. this is one of my issues. Mm-hmm. There is a thing that happens. And as much as I love my friend Paul and his Porsche love, and as much as the fact, let's be honest, I own a Cayenne that my wife loves. Sure, sure. There is a step. We just got done with Rensport, so it's, uh, it's, it's fresh on my mind. There is a step that happens in automotive journalism where automotive journalists start to drive everything, and then they, they conclude that if it's not Porsche, it's just worse. I don't there's, know that there's I, a there's a layer of that. I don't know that, that I exists. do that. Though. I don't think you. I think you I actually do a good job. You have a, a lot of balance. love for Porsche, but you still can drive other things. But there is a there's a subcurrent in a lot of automotive journalism yeah. that if you look at the cars, those guys obsess over, drive, talk about. It's only Porsche, and mm. I like Porsches, but folks, you can drink Pepsi instead of Coke. And yeah. in in the automotive yeah. journalism at large, if you boil it all down, Porsche just wins. There's a part of it that's just like, we don't all have to decide that the GT3 is God. It's fantastic. I sure, know it is. Sure. Drive something else. <laughs> so, Derek, I'm also going to say to you, there's my other thought to you is, do you have to like Porsche? They make fantastic cars, and we recommend them a lot on this podcast, but drive something else hmm. and be happy. Porsche Sorbet. They need to make Sorbet. Cleanse the no, They probably do. They probably the back do. back of the design store. Did you ever decide what car is the automotive equivalent of the Aluminum Falcon, Millennium Falcon, whatever it is? People were saying great things like wagons and stuff because it because it's a freighter. It, it was really cool, some of the things that came back. Keep going. Did you read Nathan Kay's response on Twitter? Uh-huh. He said – he answered it and he said, well, he thinks the E39 M5 is yeah. that. It's fast, respected, still good-looking despite its age, should never be underestimated, a car every car enthusiast knows and talks about with great respect. I think the only way that's better is if it was a wagon version. A wagon, yeah. The wagon version oh. of the M5, E39 M5, would get that done for sure. I did see Nathan's version. Hey, hey I thought hey, that man. was excellent. Good to hear it, yeah. All right. There was a question on Facebook from Oak S. He said that we talk about what cars we want to be driving in specific regions around the U.S. Could we do the same for tires? You know, sort of the, the all-season Whoa. performance tire we'd choose for certain places in California, off-road street tires. I suppose we could. And I'd say, you know, in California for all the driving that you do, I, I come back to the performance all-season from Kumo that I had on yeah, the Audi. Yeah. Didn't you have them on the Z car? 
I had a, a summer tire, but I had a Kumo. It was a summer yeah. tire, but wasn't that a three-season tire, good for rain and... Oh, yeah, of course. That kind of, of stuff, course. too? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose we could. I mean, we could dissect it, but... We could have the all-tire podcast. There'd be like four of you and us. We would be thrilled, but there'd be four of you and us. Yeah. All right, so let's turn to Texas. What tire is good for Texas? Well... Hogan asked a question. He's in the process of buying... By the way, cool, fine. Process of buying a 2002 Mini... With under sixty thousand miles, for three thousand dollars, was it upside down in somebody's pool? This, they're just not worth anything. Do I have any advice? Here's my actual piece of advice for you: Does it have any leaks? These cars are just mm. known to mm. leak. I was thrilled that the guy that had uh, mine before me had solved all that, and the car was just buttoned up tight. But they are prone to leak, so look for leaks. Be, mm. be very specific in your pre-purchase inspection about what is leaking because something is likely to be leaking. So there's that. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they leak oil or they sometimes just eat oil. So those are things to worry about. Uh, get a good, solid pre-purchase inspection. I'll be talking about my recent car buying experience here soon when I get the car, and there'll be much of that discussed. But that's the main one that I would say to you. And then 60,000 miles, that's really low miles for an O2. See if you can find out if the maintenance intervals that were supposed to be done have actually been done or the car just not get driven and nothing done to it. Hmm. All right, there's a question over here that I have to get to. It's from Ariopolis and said, What could Toyota do to get me excited, get us excited Uh-oh. about a Prius? Uh-oh. I'll give my snarky answer first, and that okay. is put all of them on a barge in the Atlantic, <laughs> burn them, and we heat New York City. Interesting. Okay. That would make me happy. On the other hand, I the styling is just way too far. It hasn't been... Oh, interesting. It's a hot mess. It is a ridiculous, <laughs> awful, piping hot mess. What happened there? Yeah. There's no theme. There's. It's just styling for the sake of Squiggle's things. a theme. It really... Purple's a fruit. <laughs> yeah. I'm in shape. Round is a shape. No, it's, it's just... There's no theme that has been tied to mm-hmm. what they're trying to do with driving enthusiasm, which leads me to, why aren't they fun to drive? They're just not fun to drive. Mm, fair. They're, they don't handle well. They don't. They're appliances. They're good appliances. Why but can't appliances. you differentiate that? And genuinely, apologize for naming it Prius because I don't like that name. Well, yeah, there's call a it something thing different. There. But yeah. then take a driver's approach to why can't tech cars and all the, you know these this hybrid technology mm, and mm. all that kind of stuff be applied to something that's fun yeah. and good looking too. Mm-hmm. And beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I realize that. But I think yeah. I can get 90% of the world to agree the Prius and the Prime is really ugly. You know, I'll give you, I'll give you a frame of reference. The base Fiesta, not the ST, and the Honda Fit, neither one of those would you look at and go, those are performance goes. Both of those are decent to drive. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. They're just economy little boxes. They're decent to drive. Yeah. No, I'm with you. So many more questions. And... Uh, Frankie Pear Tree said that he hates, breaks his heart when we crush cars. How about a daily track only and tow vehicle for the <laughs> track only? <laughs> Budget for all three vehicles is $150,000 as time of purchase. I think we're going to have to hold off on this That's one. A and, return, return question. And, I feel uh, like. and return to this. But, you know, does it break your heart when I say crush Corollas and. Yeah, but typically in the Chevy track, they crush. It's harder than that, though. The, the, the yeah. car that is crushed would, would make us like shed tears. Like Ferrari F40s. We would, crush those. would still be shedding tears, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, Mr. Kid37 asked, he, he saw the, the GT350R versus Camaro episode out of season two. Thank you for watching that. It was a very fun, 
quite fast episode. We did not have police with us then. We probably should have. Uh, there's that. But he said, I made a comment in there where I said I was being disrupted during the corner. He's saying, what the heck am I talking about? Oh, good. I'm glad okay. you tackled this. So this is, this is the thing. You can go into a corner and, and look, classic Mustangs with the live rear axle were notorious for this problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Disrupted during a corner is this. You're going around a corner. In the middle of the corner, for whatever reason, the pavement has got bumps and and places that are not smooth. And some cars, depending on their suspension setup, the you, you feel all the tires, especially the back end, bouncing around more than it should. And so if you think about it, this is not a great analogy. If you think about it, if you thought about train tracks going around a corner, the old corners on rails, train tracks going around <laughs> a corner. That. But what if there were little chunks, not big enough to to disrupt the train, not big enough to toss it off the tracks, but little chunks taken out of the rails. Think about how that would just jostle everything, and it wouldn't be the nice, smooth train corner it should be. Hmm. That's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm trying to make it make sense. But if you, there's some cars, if you go around a, uh, the same bumpy corner in two cars in a row, one of them figures out how to soak up those bumps but not disrupt your line, and the other one is bouncing around as it hits those bumps, and your line's being a little bit kind of adjusted for you and you're having to kind of ride that out that's what i'm talking about still maintain the train tracks are long and straight there's no hairpins there's no hairpins gorgeous like it's on rails you mean are are you drag racing stelvio pass is not a train track it is not all right so we'll end on this question from arcarian 501 can we get modest luxury and power gt power and not have a very heavy car by the way how do we feel about inline five turbo volvos have a good mechanic on speed dial maybe he's like on the lock screen on your phone, like as soon as you turn on your phone, there's your mechanics number right again. It's part of your... Maybe. Just kidding. No, I, I think they're excellent. They sound different. I wish they're cool. Audi were they're very cool. coming back with inline fives too. They're just... They have a different sound to them. Yes, you can do that. And you're right. The Volvo turbos do kind of give you that kind of feel. Enough power. But there's so many cars with turbo power in sixes and fours that it's just yeah. a thing. It's... Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for writing to us. We really appreciate all the questions. We are getting back to more, so keep asking. We've got this All Questions podcast coming shortly. We've got to keep them coming. So we've got a few left in in our quiver here, but like I said, more questions the better. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to next time. Cheers. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks 
Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.